This is Joe Gunkel. You're listening to H10, Hunching Tigers English News. It's still 2022, which means technically it is the year of the tiger. And though it wasn't the year of your Hanshin Tigers, it definitely was the year of H10 Hanshin Tigers English News. Thank you for joining us for this episode 159 of the podcast on October the 22nd. Well, for us. Anyhow, I'm your host, T-Ray, out in Nishinomiya, Japan. And joining me from all the way across the Pacific today is Sanjay. How are you doing, brother? Aloha, brother T-Ray. Yes, I'm all the way across the Pacific this time in sunny California. There you go. Well, nice little change of scenery for you. Hope you are going to enjoy your weekend a little bit better than I enjoy mine watching the Japan series, which does not feature our Hanshin Tigers. Nevertheless, we have got a great show for you today because we are going to do a whole lot of wrapping up. We are giving out the annual, I don't know what it is, maybe fifth annual? Uh, sixth annual, maybe the H10 awards. So strap in and join us for a great ride. First, let's hit you with some rumors and news. Rumors and news. Rumors and news. Well, at the start of the season, Sanjay, we did a predictions contest on the Central League standings. I'm not sure if you remember that, or if you remember what your prediction was, or if you're proud of that prediction. You know, I remember doing it, obviously, and yeah. I know that I predicted Tigers to come in first place, so I know I'm wrong. Right. Well, nobody was exactly right, um, and I was actually brutally wrong because I thought it would be funner, and I thought it would be more likely that the standings would change up a little bit between 2021 and 2022. The fact of the matter is, there was one change in the standings, in a sense, that being that the Bay Stars went from sixth into second, everybody that they that they passed um slid down a notch and that's it the rest of the standings stay the same and so jag uh is the winner he was very close um i believe he got everything right except that he predicted that the bay stars would only move up to fourth and so he was pretty close with the rest of it and he is the grand prize winner i'm going to be sending out a prize package to him hopefully next week but congratulations to jag and for the rest of you make sure that you take part in the contest in 2023 because you know you want yourself some Tiger's goods. Congrats, Jag. Awesome. All right, let's get on to some Tigers. By the way, Jag is a Bay Stars fan, so I don't know, maybe I'll send him extra Tiger swag just to uh, sway him that way and to uh, kind of rub in his face that we beat them in the playoffs. Da, 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 da. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> so let's talk, some, let's talk some real Tigers here. We are going to first talk about the imports because uh, as far as I know, Gunkel and Alcantara left Japan on October the 11th. Both of them left with comments saying that they're so thankful for the fans and too bad. Actually, no, they left before the playoff run. And so they had said, well, we're cheering for the Tigers to go all the way, even though they, you know, they weren't part of the uh, postseason roster. Anyhow, they are not expected to be back in 2023. And Wilkerson actually never even made it back to Japan after his daughter's birth. He is also not expected to be back in 2023. So this was um, October the 11th uh, before the second round of the playoffs but after right. the first round if i'm not mistaken 
And then on the 16th of October, so after the playoffs themselves finished for the Tigers, Rojas and Rodriguez also left the country. I'm assuming Marte did somewhere in there too, and I just missed the uh, the news on it. But anyhow, um, on the 16th, they left. Of course, they left with comments saying, thanks for the support and too bad we didn't win. And um, I had a great time with the Tigers. You know, the usual canned answers that we expect from them. Uh, but they're also not expected back in 2023. So we have got... Uh, six imports that have left in the past couple of weeks. Um, and Keller left as well. That's right. Keller is the only one expected to be back in 2023. The rest of them are probably done, never to come back to the Hanshin Tigers. Question for you. Do you think any of these guys may end up signing another deal with a Japanese, with an NPB team? Obviously, all these guys probably want to keep playing ball. But do you think any of them will be back in NPB with a different team next year? Wow, that's a good question. You know, um, the Japanese teams like to look at people uh, that are more known quantities than unknown as far as their, uh, what is it, affinity for Japanese-style baseball. Mm -hmm. And at least you have some data sets for these guys that have just left. You know, it may not be surprising if somebody decided they wanted Marte's bat, maybe in the Pacific League. I don't know. Yeah, I would say that he is definitely not one that you want out on the field. And I mean, the Tigers barely use him in the field. And as we're going to see in the recaps, they regretted that they did use him in the field eventually. Um, but, you know, he could be a decent DH. Definitely, he showed himself to be a very good pinch hitter at the end of this 2022 season. Another guy that I'm not sure why the Tigers aren't keeping, that would be Joe Gunkel. I think that he would be worth um, picking up, you know, somebody could pick him up a team that is maybe lacking in pitching or I don't know. Oh, Lord forbid. You know, the one team I think of that lacked pitching in the CL this past year is the orange men. And I don't want to see him in that uniform. Oh no, we don't need any, any more tigers going to that team. No, you know, uh, Joe, if you want to, uh, come back, try Oryx, you could, you could live in the same flat as you're in this past year. Um, and have some good times. We could still see each other every now and then maybe, and you could be part of a winner. How's that? And we'll keep sharing for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. Oban will cover you like they never have before. Literally, Oban hasn't. Okay. Anyhow, <laughs> that is the end, I believe, of our import talk for the time being. Let's talk now about another guy who may be going over to America, though. And that would be our dear number 19, Shinchan Fujinami who requested to be posted and the team has accepted his request. And so they will be posting him. And it sounds like he is MLB bound because I can't imagine him making this request and then getting no offers. Right. And they, they said that they can have what? Aren't telling as an as agent? Or do I have that wrong? I thought it was Boris. Uh, it's Scott Boris. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Boris. Oh, man. Yeah. He's going to get. He'll get his his bling. He'll get his money, his payday. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, so uh, questions for you. What team or what type of team would you like to see him on in MLB? Because I've got some opinions about who I'd like to see him on and who I wouldn't like to see him on. Uh, I don't really have anybody that I would not like to see him on. The obvious answer that springs to my mind um one track that it is is that we've seen a steady flow of pitchers go from the tigers pinstripes to the padres pinstripes and uh, why why the heck not shinchan 
Oh man, if he could get himself there, I mean, he would have first of all Darvish as the super mentor who has been in America for has it been a decade yet? It's coming up on a decade, man. Yeah. He has had one of the longest careers in MLB of a Japanese player ever. I mean, other than of course Ichiro, um and maybe Matsui. I think Matsui might have been around 10 years, but Darvish has really done an incredible job. So having him as a teammate and someone to look up to, not to mention former teammates in PJ and Suarez, you know, and then a couple other former NPB players in Martinez and there might be one other, I'm not sure. Still, yeah, that would be a crazy good fit. You know what I would kind of like to see is just kind of struck me now, but have him go from the Tigers to the Tigers. <laughs> I'm not sure that would happen. Um, I, oh. Yeah. But, I don't know uh, if that's right. I could see him ending up somewhere that's maybe a little bit low key. And dare I say, like a team that maybe is not vying for a pennant, at least, you know, for his first couple of years. And then after that first contract expires, maybe he, if he's proven himself, he goes to a team that's, um, I don't know, I guess more invested in winning it all. Um, but maybe he goes somewhere where there's a little bit less pressure and a little bit less spotlight, and that might help him out. We shall see. Second question for you. Is he better suited as a starter or a reliever in the majors? Oh, to me, there's no question in my mind that he's a middle inning reliever, a setup man, if you will. Okay. Um, I would say that as far as him just being allowed to do his thing, yeah, I would say that's definitely uh, the best way to go. Fujinami himself has said, although, of course, he is also... Um, prefaced it by saying i'm not in a position to dictate how the team uses me whoever signs me but he definitely would prefer to be a starter which is understandable and then um we can talk about this another time or maybe later in the show or whatever but i was at like a talk show done by tigers cast the the japanese um hanshin tigers podcast of course it's unofficial as well um they did a talk show and for the first time ever they got a guest um who is a former hanshin tiger none other than former new york yankee kei igawa and so there was a Q&A time and I actually was able to ask him this question. I said, what do you think would be better for Fujinami, a starter or reliever? Well, I asked him other questions about Fujinami, but he said this. He said, I would like to see Fujinami as a starter in the majors. And one of the big reasons is this. Relievers are kind of disposable items. They're not used very carefully in MLB. But if you're a starter, you get treated with a lot more care as far as, you know, making sure you get your rest, making sure that you are treated properly and that you're ready for your big start. Yeah, I, I totally understand and believe that that's the case. Mm -hmm. But also, you all have to earn that that right, that trust, that the uh, special treatment, if you will. So I don't think that Fujinami's done that yet or shown it in Japan even. So yeah, I would agree with that as well. But I would also say that like, if you look at what happened with, I guess even with Igawa, like he was a starter when he went over there and he wasn't a very good one. And ultimately, they pushed him into the bullpen. And he wasn't very good there either, which meant that his career ended earlier than he was hoping. But um, maybe that's what they do with Fujinami, wherever he goes. Maybe they they give him that shot as a starter, and maybe it's a very short leash. And if he does well, then he keeps going. And if not, then, you know, to the farm and then to the bullpen. I don't know. Well, that's pretty cool, though, that you got to interact with Igawa in that way. Yeah, I was hoping to be able to talk to him after as well, because I've been meaning to get a hold of that man for quite some time. Didn't happen, unfortunately. But um, it was still cool to be able to, you know, we were sitting maybe a few meters apart and, you know, I asked him a question and he answered my question. I almost felt like a journalist for a while there.
And after <laughs> the whole thing, um, the the Tigers cast people, they're like, hey, that was a really good question. Like, I can't believe none of us thought to ask him that. Um, so yeah, it was cool to kind of get that those props for the questions that I asked as well. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we're wishing Shin Chan all the best. And obviously as H10, we will continue to root for him. We'll also continue to report on him as long as he is wearing a uniform somewhere. Um, he kind of, he doesn't go down as a legend in Hanshin Tigers history, but he definitely goes down as one of the most special players of the 21st century so far. Wouldn't you say? The Japanese phrase is, Kiyoku ni nokoru, rather than Kiroku ni nokoru. He may not be, uh, last in the record books, but he's definitely leaving an indelible memory. That is for sure. So, gambatte shinshan. Okay, let's move on with our news. This is not a rumor. This is news now, official. We've got a new manager. Named on October the 15th, press conference on October the 16th. The rumors were true. It is Akinobu Okada. He was the Hanshin Tigers manager from 2004 to 2008. He managed the Oryx Buffaloes for three years um, in the early part of the 2010s. He was also a player on the Tigers from 1980 until I believe uh, his playing career lasted until 95. I think with the Tigers until 92 or 93. And then he went over to the Oryx Blue Wave. So definitely a mainstay, a fixture in Kansai. 64 years old, going to be 65 in about a month's time now. Any thoughts on? Okada, the manager in 2023. Oh, Okada san, welcome home. You belong here. So I've got a few things. Um, one, I heard a lot of fans saying this, and I, I'm in agreement with this in a sense. The team, unlike any other team in NPB history, had like a full nine months to make their decision, right? I mean, they could have been scouting guys from February 1 onwards. They could have lined up their guy way earlier, maybe not announced it, but at least, you know, like had a solid plan in mind. But it almost seems like this was thrown together as like, well, like kind of like a last minute, like, oh, well, let's just go with the old, you know, the old favorite, the last guy to win the pennant. I don't know if this was as thought out. I guess I should give the Tigers credit, but I kind of feel like it's kind it was almost last minute or like a default move as opposed to like an innovative, like this is our plan moving forward and this is how we're going to create a dynasty out of this team. I don't quite get the same feeling. Okay. I think basically the president knew or the owner, where whoever the guy is, like the guy who's his senpai from Waseda, yep. knew all along that it was going to be Okada and had his mind set up. His plan was the succession plan was in his mind. And the hunch in front of us didn't quite figure it out. Right, that's possible. And as I think we may have touched on last time, you know, there were talks of giving Hirata the top, he's the farm manager, of course, giving him the top squad position as manager in 2023. And that kind of got nixed about two weeks before they announced the hiring of Okada, maybe a month before. But um, that's kind of part of what made me feel like it might have been a little bit of a last minute or hasty decision. Like there might have been a bit of disagreement between the front office and the parent company, and ultimately, I think, was it the parent company that won out? Or the front yeah. office? That, I think it was the parent company, the, right? The parent company won out, yeah. Right, right. So so Hankyu Hanshin Holdings won out and said, no, it's going to be Okada. Anyhow, here is, there's some good news and bad news. So we'll go back and forth a little bit on this. The good news is, obviously, the last manager to lead this team to a Central League pennant was Okada. And so he has got the ability to win games. And I think that is a huge plus uh, for the team and also for fans to have hopes for 2023, maybe 2024 as well. 
Totally agree. On the other hand, um, this is also a guy that has said, I'm getting rid of the medals that are being put over the home run hitter's head or over his neck um, after home runs. I am getting rid of the, you know, the guts pose, you know, the uh, the fist pumping after getting hits. You know, you can smile and laugh all you want after the win, but during the game, there's you got no business doing that. So what do you think about that? So I was looking and I didn't actually find the very exact clip and how he said it. I think that maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than, than how it come, came out in print. Possibly. And I and I also think that um, that part of the assessment might change. Yeah, maybe the home, home run chain might go away. Um, but I think that he will have the ability to listen to some of the players' demands too. Yeah. My concern, my concern is this. I mean, for better or for worse, Yano really, you know, brought in a different culture to the Hanshin locker room and dugout. Players looked a lot happier than they did under the previous manager. And I, you know, it looked like, you know, everyone was having a little bit more fun. Everyone was a bit looser. And I can't help but wonder, like some of these players who know nothing but Yano baseball, how are they going to play under a more serious regime of Okada? Are they going to thrive or are they going to kind of shrivel up? Um, I'm a little bit concerned about some of those guys, particularly some of our guys like Chikamoto and Nakano, maybe even, well, I think Sato is going to be fine, but I think those first two guys there, there might be some issues. I don't know. Yeah, I think they'll be playing uh, with a little bit more, uh, I don't know what, what the right word is, not, not pins and needles, but uh, with a little bit more of, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Kinchokan. <laughs> it's 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 kinchokan, I think, in English. Um, now, yeah. sometimes words are just better in Japanese, so we'll leave it at that. But it's kind of just that nervousness or, yeah. Um, tension, I guess, if you will. Um, yeah. But I think, I think, yeah, like they may treat baseball as a job a little bit more, which, you know, can be good or can be bad. Okay. Here's some other good things about Okada that I find anyways. Um, he says it is the manager's job to get runs on the board at times. Like he is going to work to get runs on the board. It is not, you know, when the players aren't hitting, it's up to the manager to find ways to manufacture runs. And that's what I'm going to do. And I feel like he definitely has a little bit more of a killer instinct um, to win ball games and to score runs when we need them. Whereas I think Yano was a little bit more of a nurturer who said, well, let's learn from these mistakes or let's go out there. Just try your best. Just do your thing. And when you fail or if you fail, whatever, um, you know, we'll take it after that and we'll see what we can learn from it. But but Okada is more like, nah, there's no room for that. And so I kind of like that side of him. I think he is going to bring a lot more wins to this team than Yano did, despite the fact that Yano did go four straight years finishing in the top three in the standings. Right. I think that the message was that if Okada had the same amount of talent to uh, work with, that he would have had more wins. He, you know, again, can't can't think of the good Japanese, or pardon me, English term for this, but Hagayusa, right? He was like, yeah. Hagayui, right? When he said, I was watching from the from the stands, you know, and I was watching this team and it just didn't feel right. Like, I mean, it just, I was irked by what was going on or by, you know, things like that. And so um, certainly I think he's going to play the game differently than Yano did, you know, and in some ways that's going to pan out, I think, and in some ways it may not. So the other thing maybe on a downer for um, Tigers fans is that he said this, he said, look, if it is obvious or if it seems like the team is not going to be able to hit, I am going to employ the bunt a lot more. Um, and 
what what he said was, you know, like if he said, I, I'm actually against the bunt. I don't like bunting, but if the team can't show that they're going to hit, then I'm going to bunt. Yeah, no nonsense guy. Yeah, again, no nonsense. Um, and then the other one I wanted to mention was, oh, I forgot. Oh, okay, yeah, the other one, okay, is this. He said he is definitely going to keep guys in one position. So he is a lot more focused on defense. And I think that's going to do the team some favors. Like one of the big things that we'll talk about this later as well, but um, you know, Yano was using guys in so many different positions, giving them this quote unquote versatility. But also as I listened to on a, a show, I forget which one they said, you know what that means though, if you're going to be versatile, it means you've got to take field grounders in practice at multiple positions every day. That's a going to tire you out and b going to screw with your senses when you're on the field, because you've got, you know, your positioning and your footwork is going to be different. Um, for each of those positions. And so you've got a lot more thinking to do in game during game time, as opposed to if you've got one position and you can just like, just like build that muscle memory in so hard that you're not going to make as many mistakes. And so I love that he has said, look, Sato's my third baseman, Oyama's my first baseman. And I think he's even talked about having Obata at short and Nakano at second. So yeah. obviously these guys haven't all won their positions outright, but he's saying, look, if the infield goes as I have planned. This is what it's going to look like, you know, nine games out of 10 or, you know, as long as these guys are healthy and hitting. Yeah. And he also said that they're going to, like, Oyama and Sato are going to stay in the game until the end. No pinch runners, no nothing, no no uh, defensive replacements, unless they're hurt or something like that. Right. And I'm okay with that as well. I mean, I hope, though, that somebody is just keeping an eye on how they're doing as far as fatigue and things like that. As we've seen, yeah. Sato has kind of slowed down in the second half, two years in a row. Um, I don't know if he learned, sorry for the dig, Jerry. I don't know if he learned that from Jerry Sands as well, but <laughs> <laughs> ouch. ouch. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, that's something to keep their eye on. And Sato doesn't suffer through a third year of having that second half slump. So all this to say that we've got a new manager in place. He's 64 years old. He has said that he's only probably going to be around for a few years. And I think it's a two-year contract. He said like, dekinai uh, or something like that. Like, I can't do this forever. Um, so it sounds like he is going to be raising up the younger generation of coaches um, to eventually take his place and take this team into the future. Let's go over some of the coaching staff who we've got still remaining on staff would include Hirata, who was the farm manager, and he'll be the head coach this coming year. Yeah. Fukuhara remains with the team, although I think he might be heading down to the farm to be the pitching coach there. That's right. Um, Kitagawa, I think, is sticking around as well. He was our hitting coach. Um, but he might be down on the farm. I think Fujimoto so is also sticking around. And Tsutsui, who was the guy on first base, always bumping elbows with like Rojas and Marte, and then going back to home plate after the home run and doing the, you know, the, the, the high, the, high five. And the body bump or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like Tsutsui. I really like him. I'm glad he's going to be around. Um, talk of guys coming in include Wada, who was our manager from 2012 to 2015 as the farm manager. Not sure I like that decision. Not sure what the logic is there. But anyways, um, Imaoka is going to be, I believe, the hitting coach. Hitting coach for the top team, I think. Top team, yes. Um, Kyuji, Kyuji Fujikawa is going to be, I heard, international scout. Oh, I hadn't heard that part. Yeah, and I don't Who's know, like, I don't think they're going to plunk him down in America the way they have with Jeff Williams and Andy Sheets. So I don't know what that exactly entails. But, um, Either way, I mean, QG is such an asset to this organization and they need him to be 
on staff from now until he's like 75 or whatever. I mean, he's just got such a keen eye and just a great sense of the game. I'm a yes. KG booster. No, same here. So, but I'm thinking that, you know, by the time Okada is ready to uh, ride off into the sunset, it's either someone like Imalka or QG that's going to be groomed to be his replacement. Yes, exactly. And the unfortunate thing is when you're groomed to be a replacement for a manager, you only last a few years and then you get, you know, <laughs> sent sent off into the sunset again, if you will. But then, you know, you may get called back as Okada did. However, you know, there's still going to be that blank in there. Anyhow, the other interesting one that I saw was that we may be hiring an outsider. I think he was from Oryx and his name is Toshifumi Baba and he's about 57 years old. So I, I don't know the details, but I think he would be a defensive coach. And I think probably he worked with or under Okada when he was with Oryx, although I could be wrong. No, I think that's, that's the connection. Okay. So, um, you know, Yano had all the dragons buddies coming in, right? Like he had Shimizu and then he had Inoue and then he had... Arai Ryota, who is, well, I guess he was both just as, um, just as uh, Yano himself was, but um, it was the Dragon's pipeline, and now it may be the Oryx pipeline, but I'm okay with that. Um, I, I just say, you know, we got to get some outside blood, and so even if it's just this one coach, that's better than none. Totally agree. Just a side note on, on management, we should mention that our former... Uh, well, really the carp former and our former Arai, um, is the manager for the dragons now. Uh, no, sorry for the carp. What am I saying? Uh, but, uh, so Takahiro Arai is the carp manager. He has brought in younger brother Ryota to be on staff. He's also brought in Fuji, our former catcher and our former battery coach to be on staff. Um, and then there's a couple other former major leaguers that are going to be managing other teams. Just real quick. We'll mention that Kazo Matsui is going to be the Lions manager. And Masato Yoshi is going to be the Marines manager. So kind of interesting stuff there. Yeah, well, uh, Kazumatsui is going back to his roots, right? Yeah, exactly. He was a lion and he's back in their fold. All right, let's talk about the draft, which happened just a couple of days ago. And real quick, because we don't know, uh, I don't know a ton about these guys. Um, and, you know, we'll talk more about them next season when we see them in camp. So the draft was on the 20th and we, as well as the Giants, tried to get a slugging outfielder, um, yep. Shogo Asano. And uh, we lost the lottery pick. So the Giants get Asano. Apparently he, is, he has the potential to be a generational talent, maybe like to the tune of like a, an Okamoto, whom the Giants also have. Um, I hate to say it, but I hope he's not. <laughs> I would have <laughs> hoped he would be if he joined us, but now no. So anyways, as our quote unquote consolation prize, we got Shota Morishita, also an outfielder. He graduated from Chuo University. And um, some high accolades for him and uh, great potential there as well. He could definitely be a star fielder for our team for years to come. Um, any thoughts on him? Yeah, I really didn't know a whole lot about him until you posted all this stuff on H10, really. But <laughs> I, I'm quite pleasantly surprised, a bit surprised that he was not taken by anybody else. Yeah, well, so the number one pick, as many of you know, uh, any team can choose anyone. And then if there is any overlap, then there's a lottery system where each team pulls a ballot and whoever has the right ballot gets the rights to draft him. So nine different teams pre-announced who they were taking in the first round. They were all different players. And then as it turns out, um, the three teams remaining, those being the Bay Stars, us and the Marines, us and the Marines doubled up on players that had already been announced and the Bay Stars didn't. And so, yeah, there was a good variety of players taken and there wasn't any overlap. And Morista, yeah, he 
quote unquote fell through the cracks. But, you know, there have been other guys that have been the fallback, you know, the plan B in round one. We're talking about a certain Murakami who plays for a certain defending champion team. Uh, so don't be fooled into thinking that, oh, well, you know, he was plan B, so he's not as good as Asano or never will be. No, he was the number four hitter for the Samurai Japan team in university, as have been a number of great hitters, including Yoshida of the Buffaloes, including Yamakawa of the Lions. So he's in really good company. Uh, we have the chances to have a great superstar in him. So the next four picks that we got in the draft were all high school graduates, meaning they are 17 or 18 years old right now. And so we can't, we won't, I should say, necessarily expect them to impact the team right away. But we got a left-handed pitcher out of Hokkaido named Keito Mombetsu in the second round, a right-handed hitting um, outfielder named Hinase Itsubo in the third round, a right-handed pitcher named Hidetoshi Ibaragi in the fourth round, um, a right-handed hitting infielder named Leiji Toy in the fifth round. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he grew up as a Hanshin Tigers fan. That's right. And uh, apparently, like, he's he's quite underrated in the sense that, like, the, getting him in the fifth round could be a huge steal. I'm high um, on him. I'm sorry? I'm high on him. Okay, well, I hope to be high on him soon as well. Um, then in the sixth round, we got another left-handed pitcher named Len Tomida. And that was it for our regular draft. And then in the development draft, we got a right-handed hitting outfielder named Kyosuke Noguchi. So seven new guys coming in. Yokoso Hanshin Tigers. Welcome to the Hanshin Tigers and to H10, guys. I know you're listening. <laughs> yes. So there you have it. That is the rumors and news. It was a little bit lengthy, but that's because there was lots of good news on the Hanshin front. Let's talk a little bit about the farm now. So what do you mean talk about the farm? We already mentioned last time that they lost in the uh, the all Japan farm championship. Well, they're playing in the Phoenix League down in Miyazaki Prefecture in Kyushu. Um, and I think that season might have wrapped up today or yesterday because it seems to me that Hirata um, gave his final words as farm manager to them. But anyhow, uh, just a couple of bits here. Um, Maegawa, our 18 year old, I guess now he's 19. Um, He's tearing it up down there and he hit an out of the park home run on October the 12th. I'm so excited about him. And I feel like, you know, if Morista doesn't get one of those outfield positions as a rookie, Maegawa could come up and steal it. Mm. Interesting. I, 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 I love that kid's swing. Can't wait to see him on the top squad. Okay. The other one is we talked a bit about him a bit earlier, but Obata has been playing nothing but shortstop down there. Um, because I think Okada wants to get him ready for that as opposed to juggling him between short and second and maybe even third. And the other day, I think the day after it was announced that he would be playing nothing but shortstop down there, um, he went five for five and hit for the cycle. Awesome. Yeah, pretty excited about that. So hopefully I would love to see Obata do some serious damage on the top squad in 2023 for your champion, Nippon Ichi, Hunching Tigers. Let's see it happen, guys. <laughs> Okay, for the last time in 2022, it's recap time. Recap! We're going to breeze through this, Sanjay. We've got three games, all against the Swallows, all losses. 
seven to one in game one. Nishi, the Yuki, was on the mound against Ogawa and blew up. Right? He gave up yeah. five runs, I think, in three or four innings. And then uh they got a two-run home run in the bottom of the six. Seven to one loss in game one. Game two, we got Fujinami on the mound against Sai Sneed. And Fujinami, other than um having Murakami hit an impossible pitch over the fence, looked pretty good. Uh nevertheless, we end up losing this one um five to three. Nishi, the junior, gave up two home runs in this one um to Nagaoka and Osuna. And we got a couple sack flies from Marte in the top of the seventh and top of the ninth. If those had been home runs, it would have been a ball game. But no. And again, I'm I'm not putting this game on Marte by any means, but I will put game three on Marte because this is how game three went down at least a little bit. We had Aoyagi on the mound um, on a little bit of short rest, but we knew he could do it. And he was going up against Takahashi, who has ha- who kind of had our number this year, but we put up a 3-0 lead against him. Um, and as of the top of the seventh, we were winning 3-0. But then Aoyagi, I, I don't know, he kind of petered out a bit um, with two outs. Um, he he had loaded the bases. So it was a walk, a hit by pitch and a walk. The bases were loaded two outs and then a grounder, soft grounder between first and second. Marte threw it into left field. They got two runs on that. Um, we switched pitchers and Hamachi walked a guy and then Murakami is up with the bases loaded and the swallows down by a run. You didn't guess it. He didn't hit a grand slam home run. He hit probably his shortest hit of the year. He dribbled it down the first base line. Um, Hamachi charged to try and pick it up tried to scoop it to first base out of his glove. He scooped it into right field. Uh, the base is cleared, and the Swallows won this one 6-3. Season over. Otsukare-sama. What a way to end the season. <laughs> Two wow. big, extremely costly errors. So fitting to how the Tigers' season went and the Tigers' defense uh, over the past, literally, I think it's the past five or six seasons they've led the Central in errors. Certainly under Yano, every year they led the league in errors. So... Looking forward to that change. Yep. All right. Final roasting of the departed Yano. Was that on purpose? Hold the whole outfield? Yano? Who's that? I've never heard of him before. Who is that? Yano? Sorry to do this to you. Yano-san, daisuki. Really, I really like Yano, the man. Uh, I liked him at times as the manager, but there were two things in this series that I didn't like. Sanjay, I'm going to let you go first, though. Well, I think I've beat this horse way too many times. Do it Um, again. His constant musical chairs, changing of defensive placements. No, no more. Bring me the stability. Even within the series. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can agree with that. But I've got two here that I'm going to talk about as well. And we won't give them a ton of airtime. But he benched Sato in game two of this series. Um, I know he looked bad in game one. But he had the only home run of the previous series against the Bay Stars. Um, Taking a power threat out of the lineup when the other team is loaded with power threats. Even just the threat of power is enough sometimes. Yep. And if and if that's not enough, um, in game three, there were a couple of bunts that went south. One was Sato. So he called on Sato to bunt and failed. And then Nakano failed to lay down a bunt as well. Both of them went to the third base side with their bunt, trying to advance the runner to third. 
um, and it's a left-handed pitcher. So for him to field that and then throw it to third base using his left hand, not that hard. Clearly, the logical move would have been to have them bunt towards first base. Just didn't understand. Okay, then we're moving on. It's time for the hot topic. As promised, we are going to talk to you about the awards that we want to give out to the Hanshin Tigers great, and in some cases, the not so great. So it is the H10 Awards 2022. Yay! Yay. All right. So we're going to go down the list of categories, and I'm going to first give Zorni's pick in each one, then I'll let you go, and then I'll choose uh, mine in the end. And if there is an, you know, uh, someone who is uncategorically the winner, then we will announce that. If not, we'll just leave it at three candidates and let our listeners decide whom they would have chosen. So we'll start with the outstanding hitter. Um, obviously, uh, this is a, an important award because if you don't hit, you don't score, you don't score, you don't win. So Zorni says, Chikamoto, understandable, led the team in batting average, was second on the team, I believe, in hits behind Nakano, um, and just a much needed piece of our roster. I mean, he has been indispensable. How about you? Who have you got as the hitter of the year? Well, I went with Mr. Big Mountain, Oyama. It's a fair pick. He had some of the, the best numbers on the team, you know, he, he, home runs, slugging percentage. Uh, he got the, uh, his, the RBIs. He, he got the job done. You know what? This is probably the first year that I can say that he kind of put it all together fairly consistently, although he did cool off in the last two months of the year with just one home run. But yeah, I am in agreement with that in a sense, although I'm actually going with somebody else and that would be Sato. And you can rake me over the coals for this all you want. I'm just simply saying, look, compared to year one, he had himself a year, even though people say, yeah, his home run numbers went down. That's the only real number that I can see that went down. Doubles were up, triples were way up, total bases up, RBIs went up, runs went up, strikeouts went down, which is a good thing. Walks were doubled from his rookie season. He stole almost twice as many bases. And uh, yeah, just had himself a great year. His errors went up as well, unfortunately. But I think Sato is indispensable. And I think that his bat in there made a huge difference this year. So I'm going with Sato. I have no arguments there. And uh, he is indispensable. And further solidifies your earlier comment about not having him in the lineup. The other pitchers are saying, yay. Right, right, exactly. I would say so. All right. Well, when on one side, we had the hitter of the year. We got to go to the pitcher of the year. And for this one, Zorni has chosen Aoyagi, the blue goat. Makes sense to me. Who else could it be, right? I mean, what, what a great year he had. He had the triple crown in pitching. So is he your choice too, then? That's it. Is there any other? Yes. Um, I'm only saying this just to provide a different perspective, so it's not unanimous. That would be Yuasa who yep. came in and in the playoffs was our closer, but in the regular season was, he actually won the outstanding middle reliever of the year in the central, which is quite an accomplishment for a kid who I think up until now had three uh, top squad appearances in his career, all last year and all terrible last year. This year, he was so dominant. Yeah, in terms of improvement year on year, he's like a million percent. Yep, definitely. Okay, 
let's move into defender of the year and i think i think zorni got this wrong he must have like messed up maybe he didn't understand he put haraguchi in there and i just don't see how it could be haraguchi (laughs) he (laughs) He wasn't on defense much except the last like 15 games of the year he did have a couple nice plays at first base i'll give him that well okay okay maybe it's it's the recency bias okay but who have you got i have umino i mean he's he's the guy that did it all he stopped all those bouncing balls from the pitchers and and held it all together for us it's kind of hard to choose a defender of the year for a team that, again, led the league in errors, but I'm going to go with Chikamoto for this one. I'm not against your decision to go with Umeno because, you know, like you said, he's he's blocking all sorts of balls and just, you know, he is the rock behind home plate. And another thing, sorry, bridging back to the Okada, um, I think he's done with platooning catchers, and I think he's probably going to go with Umeno 80 to 90% of the time. No disagreement here. Right, but... As I said, I'm going with Chikamoto. Um, he just has so much range in center field. Um, maybe his arm leaves, leaves a little bit to be desired, but he did one time, I think in the playoffs, he gunned down a runner at home. He does have that potential to sometimes surprise in that sense, but just some of those catches he makes that other center fielders would have no business making. Um, we need him. We need him there. So his presence on defense is huge. Yeah, I guess I just remember the one ball going over his head is too, too uh, much of an insp- impression for me. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's move forward then and go with the runner of the year. And uh, I think I've got the runner up in this one, but we'll just start with you and Zorni because you've got the same guy. That would be Chikamoto. And you can explain why Chikamoto gets it. Uh, because he this year, he is the stolen base king. Fair enough. Um, 30 stolen bases. And this is his third season out of four in which he stole 30 or more bases. So pretty outstanding stuff there. I'm actually going off the uh, off the grid or, or outside the box a little bit. I'm going with Shimada, number 53, um, who, of course, posted a career-high 21 stolen bases this year against just five caught stealing. Um, and one of those caught stealing was him overrunning or oversliding the base, which was, oh, man, such a heartbreaker when he did it. I don't know if you remember that. that I remember that. Against yeah. the Giants. Um, that was after he he blew a bunt. And then, and then he's like, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to steal second. And then he... He overslid second base and got tagged out. Anyhow, um, you know, he just provides that one extra set of wheels, which I think, like, not to take Chikamoto for granted, but um, that extra set of wheels that we could use as a pinch runner or even when he was in the starting lineup, it was another uh, player to fear. And I don't have the exact numbers, but I wonder how many of his 82, well, I guess his 73 singles were infield singles. I feel like he bunted to get on base a lot. And so it's not just about the stolen bases, but the fact that he was able to use his wheels a lot more to get himself on base uh, when we needed that base runner. And like like you, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the impression I have is that the number of steals versus the number of innings played, his must be off the charts compared to the other two guys that we have with more than 20 steals. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because Nakano played nearly every inning and then Chikamoto, other than uh, his COVID spell, played every inning. So, Yeah. That's another, I guess that's maybe another reason that I chose Shimada. You know, that that being said, you know, when Shimada was on base, you know, when, when you're bringing in a pinch runner, you've got that automatic chance plus expectation that you're going to steal the base. Whereas with Chikamoto, right? Like, um, how many times was he on first base where there was a runner on second and he couldn't steal? Or where it was just like a time of the game where he wouldn't be expected to steal or just wasn't called for, right? So Shimada definitely, Shimada definitely has that kind of uh, advantage, if you will in that 
he was probably getting the green light a lot more than Cheek. Anyhow, let's move on. Uh, the surprise of the year. And of course, this would be a positive surprise, not a negative surprise. Zorni mm -hmm. has got one that uh, I can't believe I didn't think of, and that would be Yuasa, whom I mentioned earlier, you know, failed in his three mounds last year. And this year, I think he failed in three total mounds out of like 60 games that he pitched or whatever, right? Crazy mm -hmm. good year. It has been a crazy good year, yeah. And I don't know, do you think maybe Yuasa has the potential to be our closer in 2023? Or do you think that it's going to be either Keller or maybe... um? Yuazaki uh, or something like that. No, you know what? I think Yuasa could be our closer. Yeah, I'm going to say he leap, should be our closer even, yes. But, leap okay. Frog, Yuazaki, and Kyle Keller. Kyle Keller can be our eighth-inning eighth man or even our extended-inning, three-inning closer. Yeah, whatever whatever it might be. You know, like I think Keller can have... Keller also has the willingness to be versatile. You know, he's not necessarily demanding that he be the closer. So I'm okay mm -hmm. with that. All right, who is your surprise player of the year? Well, the recency bias kicks in for me on this one. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's Haraguchi for me. He came out of nowhere at the end of the season and played a, a clutch few games, put up good numbers in meaningful games that counted, that mattered. So I'm going with him. Started at first base, um, probably the last 15-ish games of the season. Ended up with a 324 batting average, you know, just in 83 plate appearances. But nevertheless, still just outstanding. Um, actually had nine walks to just five strikeouts on the year and an OPS of 827. Um, so definitely the other thing is, um, you know, not to, not to, um, bash him or anything like that, but last season he had zero home runs and batted just 204 and the season actually, he hasn't had a lot of home runs since his first couple of years, but I feel like relative to the number of at bats he had, he actually hit a decent number of home runs this year. And there's kind of hope for him to be a power bat maybe not you know not like a 20 to 30 home run guy but if he does get enough at bats he may actually get to double digits again which would be nice to see and i seem to recall that this time last year we were saying that he might be done yes actually it might have even been or at least for me um in our episode where we talked about guys that may have one more year left before they're sent away i think i mentioned haraguchi yeah not that i hoped that it would happen but i was worried that it might yeah, so I'm happy with how the season ended for him. Definitely, that's that's great. I've got a different guy. I actually had him as one of mine, but I'm going to go with Psyche, our pitcher, who had TJ in the 2020 offseason, missed all of 2021, actually didn't play on the top squad in 2020 either. So for the first time in three years, he's on the top squad. He's 23 years old, right? Good show. Yeah. But so in 2018, his ERA was 461. 2019, it was 4.7. This year... 1.53 in nine starts or pardon me nine games eight starts in 47 innings his era was 1.53 sick absolutely sick um you know just another awesome starting pitcher that we have uh to use against other teams to terrorize them and i think 2023 he may go all out i mean he may end up throwing like 120 plus innings maybe even get up to 140 150 that would be awesome so to me, that's the surprise because even, you know, like I said, his, his numbers before the TJ were not outstanding and we knew that he had potential and he was still just like 20 years old at the time when he, mm -hmm. um, you know, when he had last pitched, but to have those kind of numbers at age 23, and now he's got an off season to properly train, you know, he's not rehab in this off season. He's actually training mm -hmm. the best could be yet to come. Looking forward to it.
Same. Okay. On the flip side of that, who is your disappointment of the year? Zorni has got Itohara as his. And you know what? I'm thinking just like Zorni, Itohara has been a disappointment. Okay. Actually, for two years now. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about Itohara is I believe if I'm I'm going to look it up right now, but I'm pretty sure his numbers have gone down pretty much every year in the past three or four seasons. Um, yeah, that's right. Including games played. Well, actually, this year he got into 132 games somehow. I think a certain um, manager just, uh, you know, loved him unconditionally. But um, yeah, his plate appearances are about the same as last season, uh, but his hits went down by 16, doubles were down by five, um, his OPS went down by almost 100. So huge disappointment. Uh, this is a guy that in his second season, he played the full year and had an OPS of 752 despite just one home run. So he was a doubles machine and an on-base machine. He walked way more than he struck out. Looked like he was going to be the real deal. And, you know, four years later, I think most fans, I hate to say it, but most fans are just ready for him to be either on the bench, on the farm or elsewhere. Yeah, I think you're right. That's unfortunate because, you know, we don't we don't want to wish any of these guys ill. You know, we don't want them to suffer or fail, but no, no. disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, I'm going a different route on this one. I'm going to go with Marte, mm. especially after the 2021 he had where, okay, so his first season he missed, this is 2019, he missed a month because of injury, but still hit 12 home runs. The second season, he missed much of the season, 2020. I have no idea why they even kept him after that. He hit like four home runs and had eight errors. Last season, he came out and did what he was capable of doing. He hit 21 home runs, I believe it was. 22, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah. I mean, it was. he had good numbers. And we needed him this year. We needed him to provide that, especially with Sands leaving. We needed mm -hmm. his power. And he got hurt again. And he's just, he just can't be trusted. I mean, three out of four seasons now he missed significant time because of injury. So I'm just disappointed. Fair enough. Okay. Last one, as far as individual players, and that would be the farm boy of the year. And Zorni picked Watanabe, the pitcher. Um, and I personally think, well, he spent a good amount of time on the top squad, uh, but okay. Watanabe, uh, a lefty, a uh, side armor, pretty good pitcher. I am excited for him to be on the top squad possibly next year, but uh, who've you got? So I've got the, the guy that we already spoke about, Maegawa, mm -hmm. the man. I think he he was tearing up on the farm, and I'm hopeful that he's going to do it on the top squad next year. And there was some of that uh, expectation and excitement that was built into my awarding in this. Right, because he missed a significant amount of the season down on the farm as well uh, due to injury. So the times that he was up and especially at the end of that season he looked really good so hard to blame you for picking Maegawa um, I'm going to go with two guys that we drafted last year neither of whom I think one made it to the top squad one didn't but Nakagawa the catcher at age 18 had himself a crazy good season we talked about this I think couple couple episodes ago that his farm numbers were uh, for a first year out of high school were on par with like Maru who uh, did it with Hiroshima um, about a decade ago maybe more than that um, you know, so I've got hopes that he will continue to develop and be a hitting catcher for this team. He's also decent on defense as well. So he could be the catcher of the future. And also Kirishki, the pitcher. 
um, who didn't do particularly well on the top squad, although he did do well in the one game that I went to that he started. Uh, but on the farm, I think his ERA was sub one. So looking forward to what he can do outside of the farm championship game. He was lights out. Okay, let's look at some uh, other categories that don't necessarily include players or performances from this season, I should say. So the first one we're going to look at is game of the year. What was the best game of the year for the Tigers for you? I think mine is the same as Zorni's. It was the third game of that Climax Series versus Yokohama DNA Base Stars. You're exactly right. Can you explain a little bit about why you made that choice? Because it had me on edge from the beginning until the end. I was exhausted by the time the game was over. It was very late, and it made me feel like it was good to be a Hunter Tigers fan. I've been exhausted by the end of games a lot this season, but most of them were losses. So yeah, that was a nice one to be exhausted at the end of because of how it ended. And if memory serves correct, okay, I didn't watch the game live, but I, I was following the score along on, on the app. And it seems to me like this game was all Bay Stars for the first half, or it definitely looked like, oh, we're choking. Yeah, right? it did. It looked like, oh, here we go again. And um, then we pulled it off with uh, uh, Haraguchi with, had the game uh, go-ahead RBI single. And then that last inning, the thrill of the bases loaded one out with Yuasa on the mound. Yano yeah. comes to the mound, talks to Yuasa, and just says, enjoy the moment, is basically what he said, right? He basically said, enjoy the moment. You've really made this dramatic, haven't you? Just go and enjoy it. Yes, and he did. And first pitch, he, uh, he coaxed a 4-2-3 series clinching double play. That's it. So what a game. What a game. Uh, I like that choice. I'm actually going with April the 15th against the Yomiuri Giants. And uh, the reason is, A, because Sato hit a home run against my least favorite player in all of Japanese baseball. <laughs> Tomoyuki Sugano, Tommy Smug, as I call him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great for our slugger to do that. We won the game four to one. This was Aoyagi's debut in 2022 because, as we know, he missed the start of the season because of COVID. And up until this point, the team was 115 and one. Um, and this game to me just gave hope that maybe we can turn this thing around. I mean, we won the next game as well, and then we proceeded to lose four straight. But um, we never had a worse. <laughs> it's hard to have a worse winning percentage than that, but we never had a worse winning percentage than we did <laughs> the game before this win. So I kind of feel like Aoyagi is partly responsible, or more than partly, for uh, turning the season around. And I think that game is um, kind of the landmark right there. Yeah, and he definitely was. He was the the consecutive loss stopper, right? The Empire stopper for us a number of times. Yes, yes, he was. And I actually, I think Junior was as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on now to the home run of the year. And Zorni left this one blank. I was chatting with him yesterday. And he said, I just can't think of any um, particular home run that stands out. And I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. So I'm going to give some um, honorable mentions before you mention yours, because mine don't overlap with your choice. One of those would be, um, I would say the sickest home run of the year. It was just filthy. Was Oyama hitting one off of Imanaga at Koshien on June the 17th. 
Um, it was an extreme inside pitch that Oyama turned on. It was a line drive into the stands in left. Absolute filth. Like he had no business um, putting that one over the fence and he did. And then the other one would be the trio of home runs that Oyama hit against the fighters at a game that I was at on June the 3rd of, of 2022 as well. Um, amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to give those as my honorable mention, but I'm going to let you go with what you've got for your best. Yeah, so my best is, is a bit of a cheating uh, answer because it was basically my man, number 51, Mr. Takumu Dakano, who went yard in his first at-bat against Yakult Swallows on August 27, and then did the exact same thing again on August 28. So back-to-back lead-off home runs to give the team the momentum at a very crucial stretch. These were, again, meaningful games, and he, he stepped up to the plate and performed. So that was memorable to me. I think you mean September, but yes, definitely. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely much needed. I mean, the Tigers at that point couldn't afford to lose another game. Literally. I mean, there were a lot of times we couldn't afford to lose and we still did. But then this was honestly, if we had lost, we were out of the playoffs. And he gave us that early lead because it was the top of the first in both situations because we were on the road. So mm-hmm. yeah, what a way of getting things done for the team and making that, um, making that statement to the swallows. Would have been nice to make that statement in the playoffs too. But anyhow, um, <laughs> for for me, I'm going with. We can't ignore this home run, man. Junior hitting a home run against the swallows. Uh, this would have been on May the 18th in his second start of the season, I believe. Um, yeah. Man, did he ever crush that ball. And just to see a pitcher hit a home run, it's always exciting to see a pitcher hit a home run. But, you know, unlike um, his older third cousin, Yuki, who hit one against the Giants, um, I'm going to call that one a fluke because Nishi, I mean, Nishi can get the occasional hit. But ever since that, you know, all the TV announcers are like, oh, Nishi is good at batting. But, you know, he batted under 100 on the season this year. But Junior, um, he rivals our, not even our lower half of the order. I, I mean, on days, he looks good in the batter's box. And so that home run to me is just unforgettable. Can I be honest with you? Before I put Nakano down, I had that homer down as my most memorable. Really? Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's go now for, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but we'll do it again. Um, the Yano of the year. <laughs> in other words, like the, 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 what, what, huh? You're putting that guy in? You're pulling the whole outfield? Who is that guy? Sorry, just uh, a little tribute to Jimbo for the theme music. Okay. Um, Zorni has got this. He said, not giving Rojas Jr. enough playing time throughout the year. And I'm totally okay with that uh, call because I have been screaming that out for months. So, yeah. What have you got, though? So I've got the same thing. We've already talked about this uh, earlier today and, and in previous shows, playing musical chairs with our defense and just not giving anybody, um, you know, that they're not, they can't even be held responsible for their positions because it's mm-hmm. not really their position anymore. Yeah. Oyama played four different positions, right? And Sato three. No, uh, yeah, Sato three. Yeah. And then guys like Yamamoto, whom we haven't mentioned at all, but he played all four. He actually earned a start at all four infield positions, if I'm not mistaken. I th- I think I, or at least he played at all four. He definitely so. played at all four. I think he might have started some all of them. Yeah. So yeah. J- just a crazy amount of juggling uh, guys. Yeah, fair enough. 
And I'm going to kind of on that note, I'm going to say the Yano of the year is his love for Itohara and Kinami. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to throw Sakamoto in there for good measure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sakamoto as well. So we'll, we'll edit that in or we'll just leave it as is. Yeah. Um, those three guys, um, I when they step up to the plate, I'm sorry to say, I have almost zero expectation. <laughs> maybe some with Itohara, but oh yeah, maybe he'll slice a ball into left field for a single, but that's about it. And for Kinami, it's maybe he'll ground out to second. Oh, he did. And for Sakamoto, it's just, yeah. I mean, not getting anything done. So really sad. Okay. Um, next category is the sad goodbye. The sad sayonara, if you will. And that would be um, which import are you going to miss um, in 2023 and beyond? So myself and Zorni, and actually, I believe you as well, we're, yep. we've got Gunkel for this one. Um, and for me, it is, it's not because I got to interview him, although that was kind of cool. Um, I think he really blended in well uh, in Japan. I think he fit in nicely. He was trying to learn the language. He learned how to play Japanese baseball um, just in the way that he approached the game. And I still think he, there's plenty of room for him to su succeed in Japan. No, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and that's what makes me sad to see him go. Yes. Yes. So, and you've got one more guy listed there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sad to see Mel Rojas Jr. go as well. I think he wasn't, you know, to Z Zorni's point, he wasn't given enough of a chance to uh, play up to his potential. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, because towards the end, I was starting to feel like, yeah, you know what, maybe this is his potential, but at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that hit a whack load of home runs, like more home runs in Korea than Sands did. And that's not to say that because he did better than Sands in Korea, he would do better than Sands here. Right. But mm -hmm. there was definitely the skill set was there. There's no yeah. mistaking that. Right. So maybe he just needed more time. Okay, let's move on. Um, we're going to choose our best Yano draft pick and our worst Yano draft pick. And we'll start with uh, Zorni with the best pick. He says, Junya Nishi. Let's keep in mind that that was uh, plan B. We were hoping to get Okugawa, who ended up with the Swallows, but we ended up with Nishi and not a bad consolation prize, I will admit. So good call, Zorni. What do you say, Sanjay? Well, you know what? I'm going with Sato Teru. That was a pick. That's a pick that's going to, that's the gift that's going to keep on gifting to the franchise. That could very easily be the most impactful draft pick of, you know, of the decade for the team yeah. quite yeah. easily. Yeah. So I'm okay with your choice. I'm going to go with two guys though. It's kind of a cheat. One is. Uh, a, a first round pick and that would be Chikamoto. That was Yano's very first draft pick. Mm. And the reason that I go with that is because he was not only a consolation prize, he was a plan C. We wanted Fujiwara who ended up with the Marines and then Tatsumi who ended up with the Eagles. And of course, those guys were younger than Chikamoto coming in. But in retrospect, I am so glad we got Chikamoto. And at the time I was like, who is this guy? coming out of Osaka gas like can we expect a guy that played industrial league to even be a starter in NPB let alone a star and yet here we are four straight years of excellence out of Chikamoto no signs of him slowing down um you know he could be a fixture on this team for the next maybe not full decade because by then he'll be like 37 38 but you know easily the next five years he could be the, a fixture in center or definitely in the outfield totally 
So that I was not expecting um, out of a third, uh, you know, like I said, plan C. The other one I'm going to go in the same draft, and that would be later, further down the pipe in the sixth round when we picked up Iwasa. Mm. Yeah, so it's one. just one season that he's had that's been excellent so far. But he also, I think, is just 22 or 23 and has years ahead of him. And if he can keep up what he's done this season, oh my goodness, I, you can't ask for a better sixth round pick than that. True, true, true. All right, let's move into the worst Yano draft pick. And this one is going to bring up all sorts of names that maybe our listeners are going, who's that? Or, yeah, I can't believe we got that guy or whatever. Zorni said, Ogawa, Ipe, who was picked in the same year as Junior. We picked five straight high schoolers. And after that, we picked Ipe out of university in the 2019 draft. Um, I think he was doing all right this year until he got hurt. And I still have hopes for him that he is going to be a contributor to this team. But Zorni's choice is Zorni's choice, and I respect it. Who have you got? Well, so I have two names. I kind of cheated again over here. Um, mm -hmm. One is Yukiya Saito. And the reason I say that is because, well, we got rid of him in a trade. So I guess that means that he wasn't all that useful for us. And right next to him, I have Riku Kawahara, who I don't believe has uh, actually pitched yet. Right. Not on the top squad, and he is a development player now, and he did not do very well on the farm at all um, this past season. I think he's one that's just got one year left, and then he's done, even though he was drafted out of high school, and he's still just, what, 21 years old? Mm. He's skating on thin ice, yeah. if he even knows how to skate. Um, I'm going with three. Uh, I'm going with two guys as well. They're both third-round picks. One that I already mentioned in the Yano of the year, that would be Kinami. Um, he's just gotten worse every year. And with more young guys coming in, I think his playing time is almost done. You know, the middle of the infield is starting to get crowded. We've got younger yeah. guys with better potential. And Kinami hasn't proven that he deserves more chances. Sad to say. So for a third round pick, I think that's pretty lame. And then the other one would be the same year that we chose the Sato that you gave the best pick to. We chose a different Sato in the third round, Ren Sato. And probably all of you are shrugging your shoulders going, who is that? Exactly. In two seasons, he has not made it up to the top squad, and he's the only one, I believe, from that 2020 draft. Um, and certainly out of university, who did not get called up to the top squad even once, didn't even look that good on the farm. So I'm saying, so far, that's a bad pick. Yeah. Can't okay. disagree with Last corner we got here, and that is, you know, we have been doing the Yano corner now on this show. Um, you can cue a part of the music now if you want. Um, Yano, but that's the end of that music. We've got to get a new theme, and so I want some ideas. And so I asked Zorni and Sanjay for their ideas. I've got an idea, and I'm gonna leave this open to everybody out there to submit their ideas as well. And ultimately, I think it's gonna come down to which one Jimbo wants to make a little jingle out of. But the Okada corner on H10, when we have to make some, we have to jab our manager for decisions that he's made. What are we going to call the corner? And Zorni says we're going to call it Okada Bakada. Okada Bakada. It almost sounds like uh, a, a comedy duo name in Japan or something like Manzai, right? Okada Bakada. Yeah, anyway, um, that's his call. What have you got? Well, I think I stole this off of somebody on Twitter, but it's, it's a quote from one of his um, press conferences at the end when he said, what do you want to do for the team? He said, Sora mo are de show. Which is, well, of course, that. 
Yeah. And the are, are means that. And he, of course, means um, win the pennant. Yusho, right? But he doesn't want to say Yusho. And then he's kind of famous for using are for everything. Everything, right? yeah. <laughs> and and there, the, the common jab within the uh, Hanshin community is that you need an interpreter on staff for Okada-isms. <laughs> you know, even like Soramo is like, that is, right? It's kind of, it's still just pronouns. So he's just the pronoun guy. So the are desho is like a pronoun. So it's almost like I, I like your I like your um, way of thinking here, Sanjay, because it's all pronouns and confusing and vague. And I think like yeah. a bad choice in the game is kind of that. It could be used for good or bad. <laughs> right, right. So I've got as mine just a play on his first name. You know, um, before Yano, we had Kanemoto as our manager, and his first name is Tomoaki, and we called the corner Wacky Tomoaki. Um, and so for this one, I'm just going straight up with our manager's name. So it's Okada, and his name is Akinobu. So I'm saying, Akinobu! <laughs> and that's my call. Okay. But it's all up yeah. to you guys out there. If you like any of our um, suggestions, let us know. And if you've got your own suggestion for the Okada corner, we have basically until probably March uh, to reach a final decision on that. That brings today's show to an end. Thank you for tuning into H10. And we are not doing any more regular shows this offseason. That being said, I have got two interviews already recorded that I need to put out as uh, podcast shows. So they will be coming soon. One from a former player, one from one of our patrons. But it's a really exciting uh, show that talks about, um, well, I'll give you the, uh, the preview. It's talking about tours of Japanese baseball. So if you want to come out to Japan and watch some baseball with me as the guide, uh, listen to that show, get some details on that. I've also got a couple more interviews that I'm hoping to set up for this offseason. So they will be coming out periodically during November, December, and January. So stay tuned for those. Um, also, of course, you know, we're going to put all the offseason news on the website and keep following us on the socials as well. Special thanks to Silent Partner for the theme music for 2022. We may be in for some new theme music in 2023, but it has been really cool to use this theme song. Thank you so much. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to show for mixing the pod for us. Man, I don't know if we would even have a show without show. Sanjay, same goes to you. Thank you so much for joining me for this ride all of 2022. Hope we can do this again in 2023. So too. Thanks for having me. It was a fun ride. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Enjoy the off season and stay tuned to H10. Let's go Tigers. Let's go Hanshin Tigers. <laughs>